4: Lombardi line here at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa on a Tuesday. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you, and we want to talk a little baseball here. The Tampa Bay Rays. Promote the number one prospect in Major League Baseball, Wander Franco. Going to play in this evening's game. The 20-year-old is hitting well over 300 this season, seven home runs and 35 RBIs in 39 games for the Triple-A Durham Bulls. He's an infielder currently spending most of his time at shortstop, and it's a good American League East battle tonight in Tampa Bay with the Red Sox visiting the Rays. 4:10 Pacific Time, 7:10 Eastern. It'll be Eduardo. Rodriguez facing off with Andrew Kittredge. Now, Boston is back on top by a half game in the American League East since the Rays have now dropped six in a row. Kittredge expected to be the opener and giving way to Ryan Yarbrough. Rodriguez countering for the Red Sox, and they are a slight underdog here. Tampa Bay slightly favored at home, minus 120 on the money line here at BetMGM West with a total of seven and a half.
5: Yeah, going back to Wander Franco really quick, who makes his debut today night. His brothers did play in the Astros and the Giants organizations. His father played minor league ball. So a family affair, actually Wanda Franco's mother is named Nancy Ibar, who is the sister of Eric Ibar and Willie Ibar, who you may wow. remember had long major league careers. So uh, is going to make his debut tonight. And look, maybe this is good. I don't know how he's going to produce obviously in his first shot in the bigs, but the Rays are struggling right now and they need at least a little bit of a spark. Of course, uh, ever since Tyler Glasnow was, Went out uh, with with that injury, and who knows? I I haven't seen if it's going to be announced that he's going to need Tommy John or not. I still think they're trying to kind of figure that out right now, but the Rays absolutely have been struggling now a half game back of the Boston Red Sox. Kittredge is going to go. He's going to be basically the opener tonight, but... I can see why the Rays are getting money. I don't think it's necessarily Franco in this spot, but I think it's Eduardo Rodriguez, who has posted some decent numbers, had a little bit of bad luck. If you look at his batting average balls in play, I believe 380, that is one of the highest for any regular starters in all of major league baseball. The strikes to walk ratio is the best, but he's got the third worst DRA in the majors amongst pitchers who have at least known as many innings as him and think Brad Keller of Kansas city, Carlos Marcos, Martinez of St. Louis and Erod is really right there with him. So the metrics say that he's going to regress a little bit or that he's going to regress to the positive, I should say. But you look at Boston, what really has hurt them is that they're not hitting the ball like they were hitting the start in the first couple months of the season. So, uh, I do lean Tampa Bay. It has moved up a little bit to about 120, 123 here. I think it was about a buck ten in the overnight. So maybe part of that is Franco being promoted and giving them perhaps a spark here. But I think the money is rightfully placed. But as of now, I'm probably going to sit out here. Actually, a small lean to the under at minus at under eight minus a dollar twenty. I think it's seven and a half juice the over at BetMGM.
4: I did not get involved in the Tampa Bay Rays or the Boston Red Sox, but I am involved in this one, going to first pitch here in just about five minutes. It's the Cincinnati Reds at the Minnesota Twins, 10-10 a.m. Pacific, 1-10 p.m. Eastern Time. Wade Miley against Bailey Ober, and these two squads went to extra innings on Monday night. Minnesota eventually prevailed. 7-5 in 12 innings, and we've seen a flip of favorites here. The Reds began at about minus 115. They are now even money underdogs, nine for your total. Do you do anything with this one?
5: I am on the under here. It's that getaway day game under. They did play deep into the night last night, went 12 innings. So you do have maybe some guys, some position players that are going to rest anyway. And then you look at the lineup. Joey Votto is going to serve that one game suspension today. So Joey Votto not going to be in the lineup either. Uh, Byron Buxton, who I believe just came back. I I think he's hurt again. I'm just looking at the uh, at, at the starting lineups here. So you may get some rest out of both of these teams. A quick game. They played deep into the night last night. So I'm on the under nine here in this spot. Yeah, I played the
4: twins in this one and I was able to get them at even money. Of course, now they have moved to about a minus 115 or minus 120 favorite. And I still think that's a good spot. Your Reds have been struggling as a late.
5: Yes, they have. Uh, uh, and really, they got that sweep in Milwaukee and then they went out to San Diego and got swept and really gave a game away last night that they should have had. They had a 5-3 lead in extras and then let the Twins hang around and the Twins get the win. All right. well that game will go to the first pitch in just about five minutes from now, so get your bets in.
4: Wes on the under and I am on the Twins. Welcome back to the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com. The Sports Betting Network on a Tuesday morning. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you talking a little baseball. Now we want to flip over to the gridiron Mr. Reynolds. I mentioned at the beginning of the program, just 44 days away until the first NFL preseason game. Can you believe that? That's not that far away.
5: It it really is because (laughs) it seems like we've had so much going on with the NBA going a little bit deeper into the summer and then the Stanley Cup playoffs. Olympics are going to be coming up in a few weeks, so it's hard to believe we're that close to the NFL season.
4: All right, and of course, if we're talking NFL, we have to talk Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champion. Do we have to? Well, (laughs) Well, our producer, I think, wants to She kind of likes Tom Brady. She's a Bostonian. (laughs) She mentioned that she put a couple of shekels on the Boston Red Sox to win the American League East. She also likes us to talk about Tom Brady. Okay. And who doesn't? Maybe
5: the GOAT. Maybe we'll, the GOAT. We'll I, I still kind of say... he does a good job, so I'll... Uh... All relent here.
4: I, 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 I'm still kind of a Joe Montana is the greatest of all time. But uh, you know, there's a connection there. Tom Brady grew up in the Bay Area, idolizing Joe Montana. So not a bad one-two punch, whichever way you put on top. Uh, all right. So let's talk about Tom Brady. And DraftKings already has the under-over prop listed for how many passing yards Brady will throw for this year. And you know, Wes, uh, this guy's not going to sling it all over the yard like a Dan Marino or Peyton mm-hmm. Manning or something like that. Forty-five hundred and a half
5: passing yards—that seems a little high for Brady. It does because you, you look. The whole team is going to be back, so that's why I think that they're really inflating that number a little bit here. And we know that Bruce Arians is a pretty darn aggressive play caller. That's you know, a good kind point.
4: A, there's there's that too.
5: Yeah, he's a little bit of a letter rip guy, but. At that point, 4,500, I'm not necessarily going to play the under, but I do agree with you at first glance that does seem very high here because we never really know. Father time kind of catches up with you. We see that a little bit in really every sport, like in in fighting, especially in the UFC. All of a sudden, you can get old overnight. And we've even seen that in the NFL in recent years. We've seen it with Drew Brees. We may be starting to see it with Ben Roethlisberger, where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's just like, I can't do what I can do anymore. We saw it a little bit with Peyton Manning. Now, a lot of that was predicated on the injury that he had. And obviously when he was in Denver, he had to play quarterback a different way dealing with that neck injury. So you do get old in this league. So I would be not, I certainly wouldn't want to play the over on the passing yards. I don't know about the under because Bruce Arians, he likes to throw the football. He, he he is not a conservative play caller. He is a guy. He's not a guy. He likes to keep it mixed a little bit. I mean, there's at least some balance there on offense, but he's not necessarily a guy. That, oh, I'm just going to run the ball 30 and 35 times a game and make a guy a game manager. So that's the concern if you take the under. But if you made me say, okay, you got to take one or the other, I'd be on the under.
4: In general, I would want to fade all of these proposition sure. options for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because sure. you do have, you know, the public admiration for this team and Tom Brady the defending Super Bowl champion every the bar has been raised so high for this team so in the follow-up season hey and I'm guilty of wanting to fade this team last year too because everybody was running to the window when they acquired when they acquired Tom Brady mm-hmm. and I think we felt that the numbers were all inflated which they probably were but they surpassed him you know they they executed and obviously ended up winning the championship but uh, I would probably be taking the same approach this This season on going to the under or the no on all these proposition bets for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You've got your season win total at under or over eleven and a half, and it's heavily juiced to the over. You've got to spend a dollar fifty minus one fifty if you want to bet over eleven and a half wins and plus one twenty-five on the under. And again, I'd be looking at the plus money here, Wes.
5: Yeah, yeah, no question about it because I I do believe that this division is better. Tampa Bay is still the rightful favorite, but I don't think that we want to cast New Orleans aside just yet because I think their defense is still going to be very good. Now can Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, I would think it's going to be Hill. He's certainly going to get the first crack at the job. I think Sean Payton wants to see that experiment through with Taysom Hill. I think he's kind of laid a lot of his reputation on the line with Taysom Hill if he can turn that tight end into an NFL starting quarterback who has a strong arm, but you don't know yet if he can really manage the offense full time. But I think New Orleans is going to be Right there. I think Carolina is going to be improved with Sam Darnold. I like them actually over their season wins. And I also, even though Atlanta traded Julio Jones, I think offensively they're still going to be very oh, yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Now, defensively, they need to take a step up in class here if, if Atlanta is going to be better because I thought that they were a little bit better than their record was last year simply they just blew leads and when you blow leads early in the season, remember they blew the Dallas game mm-hmm. in Big D totally. and they blew the game against Chicago. That was the game Nick Foles came in and eventually got the starting job in Chicago over Mitchell Trubisky so once that happens it was kind of like here we go again because remember Atlanta had that bad start the season before yes. and then rallied to finished seven and nine, eventually saved Dan Quinn's job. Weren't able to do it this year, but now you have Arthur Smith down there in Atlanta. He was the former Titans offensive coordinator. So he is now the head coach down there with the Falcons, Matt Ryan, some games seems to show his age a little bit, but then some games he puts up these numbers and it's like, he looks like the MVP was a few years ago. So this is going to be a more competitive division than you think. I think Tampa Bay, obviously the rightful favorite, but Like you say, I think to your point, by and large, maybe not every single prop, but some of these props, I think you can fade Tampa Bay a little bit because it is so hard to run it back. A second time, even if you have all most, if not all, of your personnel back. And it that is probably so hard. adds even more inflation to the price because it is so they hard. have
4: everybody back.
5: Yeah, right? because usually with the Super Bowl team, obviously people want to bring, bring in players from a winning culture mm-hmm. from a trade standpoint or from a free agency standpoint. So oftentimes you see a couple of these guys at least get pilfered from a Super Bowl team or maybe guys looking to cash in like, Oh, I'm a free agent, I got a Super Bowl ring, I can help this team win and steer it in the right direction. And then they overpay in terms of the free agent market for these guys. And these players rightfully cash in when the opportunity is right. You got to get the money when you can get it. But with Tampa Bay, like you're saying, bringing in everybody back, you do get that inflation. But it's just when you get that ring, it is so hard to have that urgency to say, okay, we're going to run it all the way back.
4: I actually think the Carolina Panthers aren't a bad bet to win the division. Mm -hmm. And we often see it in the NFL, the the, the from worst to first uh, phenomenon that happens all the time. It's very much of a seesaw thing. What goes up must come down. And uh, we've actually seen it out of the Carolina Panthers quite a bit in the NFC South, this division specifically, where a team goes from worst to first. And I think Matt Rule's doing a heck of a job there. I like what they've done. You know, I, I think you and I both agree that Sam Darnold's probably better than what we've seen uh, during his time with the New York Jets. So I don't think Carolina is a bad play uh, to win the entire division. Uh, A couple other numbers here. Uh, I want to take a look at uh, Mac Jones for the New England Patriots and continuing with Stephanie's Boston theme here. Sports Illustrated Albert Breer reports that Mac Jones has done, quote, enough good things in spring to merit real competition with Cam Newton in the summer. And and I'm not necessarily surprised by that. I think he was probably figured to compete for the job all along. And you can bet on it if he will start in week one for the New England Patriots. You can also bet if he will start at any point in the season. Now, the odds to start for Mac Jones in week one for the Patriots, courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Cam Newton is the favorite at minus 200. Mac Jones at plus 170. And then a couple other quarterbacks in, in the New England camp Uh, lower on the depth chart there. Jarrett Stidham at 20-1 to and Brian Hoyer at 50-1. to But Mac Jones, the second choice at plus 170.
5: What do you think? This is for game one. I think Cam is going to start in game one. Now, I eventually think Mac Jones is going to get some action here this year because what we saw out of Cam Newton, obviously, was the fact that he just can't throw the ball down the field and he was really struggling. Now, part of that is... A lot of it was on cam and the fact that his skills have obviously diminished, but a lot of it too was that the New England Patriots didn't have a lot of threats at wide receiver. Oh, yeah. And he didn't exa- He didn't exactly have Randy Moss, which Tom Brady had for a couple years. He didn't have Gronk or any of these guys to throw to. So you really saw that and that bogged down their offense. The defense is still very good and it's mm-hmm. still going to be good even more so with Dante Hightower who opted out last season. So he is going to be back. So this defense, I think. is. Is going to keep New England competitive in games, even though you don't expect them to be exactly a juggernaut offensively. But they do have at least some receivers there. I know they got Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. They added him. So uh, added a receiver also in the draft. So you would uh, didn't think. Didn't they also get uh, the kid Kendrick Bourne? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And
4: that guy's better than a lot of people so know They about. have
5: a lot of a, a lot more competency, we shall say, at, at wide receivers. So at least you've got some guys that can help your quarterback out and make some plays. You really didn't have that last year so. Eventually, I think Jones is going to start, but I do think that at least going into the season – the offense looks at least somewhat more promising for Cam Newton.
4: Well, you know, I alluded to it in the last discussion there about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What goes up must come down. I think the Patriots are probably a team, conversely, from Tampa Bay that is a bet on team this year because Mm -hmm. they were so disappointing last year. Expectations have been lowered quite a bit. The numbers have been lowered quite a bit. The win total on the New England Patriots for the season, when was the last time you saw 9.5 on the New England Patriots? That's their season win win total. The over is actually plus money at BetMGM at plus 105. The under is minus 125. I would be looking to go to the over there. I don't expect Bill Belichick to have two lousy seasons in a row. Now, they're certainly not the favorite in the division anymore. That is uh, now currently the role of the Buffalo Bills, but I would be betting on the yes for the New England Patriots for them to rebound this year uh, to win the AFC 14 to 1, the Super Bowl 25 to 1. I don't know if I'm going to go that direction But as far as
5: season win total, I'd be looking to bet on the Patriots on the yes, right? I I probably would be too as well. And I think, look, the Buffalo bills, the rightful favorite there in the AFC East, but I don't know if the gap is as big as the market kind of thinks it is. I know that they took a step up offensively, and I think Josh Allen really did improve here, had his best season so far of his young career, and I think a lot of that was Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator. But you also got to look at something that we often don't pay attention to is that Brian Dabble, kind of the way coaching interviews works, and I know Michael Lombardi, when he's back on, could probably give more insight to this than anybody coaches often you know they interview for a year when they're kind of the hot candidate and they don't get the jobs and then the following year now that they've put themselves kind of in the mix and put themselves out there where they've established some relationships around the league then they get the job the following season and I think one guy that might fit into that is Brian Dabble the offensive coordinator up there with the Buffalo Bills now uh, do you start to kind of focus on that though because most of these coordinators, if not all of them, want to be head coaches. Oh, sure. You know, and you want to get that first opportunity. You prepare your entire career to go ahead and get this opportunity, but does that provide a distraction? Can you stay kind of within the moment and realize, okay, let me focus on the job I have to do. People know that I'm good no matter what even happens this season, unless it's a total disaster. So, just being able to maintain that focus there, and that's why, to your point, I have not bet this yet, but I would lean to the New England Patriots on the over just because I think the defense is at least going to win them a couple games this season just on their own just forcing turnovers getting pressure on the passer this is a very good unit that Bell Belichick still has there's still a lot of talent on that defense with Hightower back with Van Noy Gilmore now who knows if Gilmore is going to be traded we have heard some rumors that he may be being traded Uh, Devin McCordy still back there in the secondary so there's a lot of really good personnel on that side of the ball for New England one. All
4: right, one more team to take a look at, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. ESPN's Jamison Hensley reports that Sammy Watkins was the Ravens' best wide receiver in minicamp. Of course, Watkins coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs in the offseason. And how much is that going to help Lamar Jackson? Uh, we know Lamar Jackson can certainly run the ball. Will Watkins help him more so in the passing game? The over-under on Lamar Jackson for passing yards is 3,200-and-a-half. 3,200
5: and a half yards for Lamar Jackson through the air. What do you think about that one? Yeah, this is probably going to be a pass for me because we know what's got to happen for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson has got to take that next step forward. We know how good of an athlete he is. We know that he runs the ball very well. And when, when he looks like he has nothing, he can turn it into a 10 yard run or a 15 yard scamper, or even, even further. He's had a couple house calls last season on very long runs but we got to see some development in that passing game Baltimore Ravens were dead last in the league last year in passing offense they draft very well they have a very good coaching staff they do have some talent on that team but Lamar Jackson is going to have to step up and I don't want to say that he can't because sometimes we as betters are like well if we haven't seen it before that means it can never happen you can't always go on the knowns sometimes you got to go on the unknowns here and that Really, the key to sports betting. So, Lamar could very well go over that, but I kind of need to see that development because this is kind of a team that I'm in a little bit of a holding pattern on because I think they very much have talent. They could very much be a Super Bowl contender. At first glance, I like Cleveland a little bit better because maybe I think this is the year where they finally take that step that everybody thought they were going to take a couple years ago, maybe just a couple years early to the dance on that one. Also, you have a Pittsburgh defense in that AFC North. They're, They're one of, if not the best defenses in the NFL. That is a Super Bowl Lombardi trophy winning defense. Now, can the quarterback find his way back yeah, at about 36 years old where he was short-arming a lot of passes. The offensive line wasn't giving him a lot of time. They were dead last in the NFL and running the ball. So that's why they drafted Dodgy Harris. It's like, okay, you can't draft a running back in the first round. Well, the Steelers felt they needed something to get that running game going. So a very good division here at the top. Cincinnati will improve. You won't really see it a lot in the win-loss column. That's assuming Joe Burrow is kept upright there in Cincinnati. But, Baltimore is kind of that hold pattern where I don't want to get too down on them, but they're not the team that jumps out at me right now in the AFC North.
4: Well, they're an organization and uh, led by their head coach, John Harbaugh, that I always want to bet on. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're absolutely... That, one that's
5: of... the conflict with me here, too. Right.
4: And, and, so, and, and you mentioned it. What we've seen out of Lamar Jackson so far, can he get the Baltimore Ravens back to the promised land? I don't know yet, but again, my initial reaction would be to bet on the yes and bet on improvement and over totals and things like that for the Baltimore Ravens, a quality organization in the NFL. We'll be back talking some baseball next up. Still Lou Finicaro to get to on the program as well. Stick with us on v Welcome back to the Lombardi line brought to you by BetMGM, Brady Cannon, and Wes Reynolds with you on a Tuesday live from the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. Time to talk a little baseball, Wes. And you and I have a couple plays on the Diamonds today. I mentioned earlier in the program that I am on the Minnesota Twins and then we had Will Hill on the program and I mentioned that I am on the under in the Kansas City, New York Yankees game. And you've got some interest in the Blue Jays at the Marlins. This one down in South Florida, Ross Stripling will go for the Blue Jays taking on Sandy Alcantara and Miami's a slight favorite here at home in this one West at bed mGM minus one twenty four with a total of seven and a half,
5: yeah, I do like the fish here, and basically the market average is about minus one twenty Sandy Alcantara you could even make argument is due for some positive regression, even though he's been very good this season goes 98 in terms of the velocity on that fastball 309 ERA, just 106 on the whip that's walks and hits per innings pitch, by the way. And He's off his best start of the season. He threw eight and a third shutout innings against St. Louis. He is actually amongst starting pitchers. Nobody has pitched more innings in baseball than Sandy Alcantara at 93 and a third. So eventually, if your arm's going to get tired, if he keeps that pace, there are going to be opportunities kind of late in the season as the Marlins kind of fall well more out of it than they already are then there's going to be opportunities. But I think while the getting is good, he's a guy you absolutely want to be on here. And then you look on the other side with Ross Stripling. uh, The exit velocity is down. The ground ball rate, he's mainly a ground ball pitcher. You saw that when he was with the Dodgers. Career low in terms of ground balls. You look at the long ball this year. He's given up one and two-thirds home runs in every nine innings. 464 ERA, 131 on the whip. Blue Jays are just four and seven in his starts. Marlins have actually had the better bullpen of the Blue Jays. They've actually pitched the fewest innings of any staff over the last week or so. So You've got a rested bullpen. You've would like to think Alcantara is going to go six or maybe into the seventh inning. Toronto, obviously, the advantage offensively with Vlad Guerrero Jr. now really posting some AL MVP numbers, but money's gone to Miami. I still think in the 120 range, there's value there, so I like the Marlins. Another one that I have looked at here, Wes,
4: is taking the under in the Chicago White Sox game at PNC Park against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Giolito versus Anderson. The Pirates have won just two out of their last 10, and the White Sox have lost four in a row. Their lead in the American League Central now, down to just two games over those Cleveland Indians. Now, they're a big road favorite today, minus 170 on the money line on the road with a total of eight. But with the way things have been going for the White Sox as of late, and the way it's really been going for the Pirates all season, I think under the eight is worth a
5: look. The one concern you have, though, is that the White Sox are the best in the business right now. Them and the Houston Astros really neck-and-neck neck who played together this weekend uh, down in Houston. White Sox very good against left-handed pitching. And, but you do have a Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Pirates that doesn't really strike batters out but doesn't really give up a lot of hard contact. So this is a guy that is a pitch-to-contact guy, so you always worry about that a little bit. Lucas Giolito kind of... Sh- trying to straighten out his struggles. I know before the season, people were looking at him as potentially an AL Cy Young, and he hadn't been bad, but he hasn't been near what I think people thought that he was going to be. Uh, White Sox did struggle in that Astros series in terms of at the plate. Perhaps they continue here, but, you do worry a little bit about them going against left-handed pitching because they can absolutely put some big numbers. Now, the total has gone up to eight, so it was seven and a half, so there is at least a half-run difference if you want to go under here in this spot, but uh, this looks like the White Sox, if you're wanting to play maybe a two- or three-team baseball parlay, they are going to be popular parlay filler tonight, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. All right, one more game to take a look at. The Seattle Mariners hosting the Colorado Rockies,
4: and Seattle's been Hot. They just pull off a sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays up in the Pacific Northwest. They welcome Colorado to town, and we know what it's like if you're the Rockies on the road. It's a rocky road indeed. Seattle minus 150 with a total of eight and a half. Which way are you going here?
5: Yeah, two really struggling pitchers here. I, I would split it between first five and full game over five, four and a half for the first five over eight and a half for the full game here. Cal Freeland's been getting absolutely shelled so far this season. He's just had five starts, but Opponents are hitting 3.87 against him. So Seattle has been a little bit hot in the plate. They certainly got the best of the Rays over the weekend. But Chris Flexen, opponents are hitting 2.84 against him. He's sitting at a 4.37 on the ERA. Fastball cutter pitcher, and those fastballs and those cutters are getting hit right at him. I know the Rockies a little bit down against right-handed pitching, but they they can hit fastballs whether it's home or away. Despite the fact they don't win very much on the road, so over first five and full game for me, Rocky.
4: All right. Very good. Next up our friend Lou Finicaro. We're going to talk some hockey with Lou. And also in about 25 minutes from now, we've got Virginia and Texas getting underway down in Omaha for the College World Series. We'll see what Lou thinks about that as well. Stick with us right here at Visa, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the v schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all, our, of all our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and the Lombardi Line with v Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Long Shots, Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all available and for free now at vsincom slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts welcome back to the Lombardi line Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you in time to bring in our man Lou Finicaro. we bring him in to talk playoff hockey and also college world series baseball and Lou coming up here in about 20 minutes from now down in Omaha your neck of the woods your former neck of the woods we've got Tennessee and Texas and this ought to be a good matchup a couple of the higher seeds in the tournament did you make a play or do you have an opinion on this one coming up pretty quick
7: yeah, two higher seeds in the tournament, and, and one is going to be two in barbecue, and that's not what you want to have in Omaha. So uh, there are also two teams that are really three deep with starting pitching arms and you see a total of eight or eight and a half on this game. Uh, I I really believe you're going to see a a really low scoring old time 1970s National League kind of baseball game here today. And I think you're going to see that out of two games in the College World Series. You have a lot of strong arms on both all four teams remaining. And and I would encourage uh, people to take a look at under in both games games, second game, Mississippi State, Lou,
4: you gave out on vison.com Arizona and Mississippi State as a, po- a couple of possible future plays to win it all in Omaha Of course, Arizona got bounced by Stanford on Monday. Did you reinvest at all or any other team maybe you're looking at in the futures market with Arizona now gone?
7: I did not. And that's only because the week prior I had a couple of releases that are still alive in the tournament Vanderbilt 6 to 1 uh, Virginia 22 to 1 so those are work those continue to work for me with the Mississippi State I surely didn't foresee North Carolina State who currently at the Circa is plus 240 that's a huge overreaction Vanderbilt is very very savvy They've been here. They, they're they the defending champ from two years ago. They, they bring back a lot of pitching and they are totally prepared to work their way through that loser's bracket. And you can get Vanderbilt right now uh, as high as four to one, five to one.
5: Yeah, and Vanderbilt, by the way, will go against Stanford tomorrow. That'll be the elimination game on Wednesday. Of course, Tennessee, Texas, and then Virginia, Mississippi State, the nightcap there in Omaha. But Lou, let's switch to the ice here. Vegas Golden Knights return back to the Fortress game five kind of stole game four, depending on how you want to look at it. The analytics certainly said Montreal outplayed him, but I thought Robin Leonard held up relatively well for the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights did not. I don't believe have a high danger chance in all of regulation, but they had two and one of them got put in the back of the net against Gary price. So all of a sudden Vegas Golden Knights, two to two seeing a little bit of early money on Montreal though, because I think a lot of the numbers guys are kind of seeing, okay, Montreal, at least by the numbers should have won that game. but they did not. And that's how Stanley cup hockey basically works here. But now you get the golden Knights coming home, starting to see them become a little bit less of a favorite, maybe not so much out here, but just looking at the screen. Do you think that the Vegas golden Knights finally get a uh, chokehold here on this series tonight?
7: You know, that'll be a very interesting thing to see Wes. Um, I, I think it's typical that you'd see a little buy on the Canadians right now because that's not the public. That's smart guys Mm -hmm. taking a look and and grabbing a good price. What you're going to see from 3 p.m. Pacific on is golden night action, fast and furious. So I believe if you're a Canadians fan, you wait. And my system says the only way to bet this is the canadians however my angle on this game is the under five currently plus 110 i'm willing to tell you to go find under four and a half and play that at even more plus money listen this is a team in uh, las vegas has given up 2.27 goals per game montreal 2.29 so uh, i see nothing but goaltending defense Uh, in this game and I think the edge if I have to handy if I have to handicap price takes me to Canadians face-off win percentage 53 and a half for Las Vegas and 49 percent for Montreal as well Stone, Pacioretty Pacioretty and Marcheseau those are the edges I think Vegas has and I'm just not willing to take a side Uh, I am willing to take the under.
4: All right, let's look to Game 6 in Long Island on Wednesday night, Lou, and it was uh, an 8 nothing whitewash by the Tampa Bay Lightning over the New York Islanders on Monday night. Now we're headed back to New York for Game 6, and Wes and I were talking about this earlier in the program. Because of that 8 to nothing final, it's probably inflated a lot of the prices on Tampa Bay in Game 6. They're as high as minus 165, and who knows if it'll get even higher on the road at the Nassau Coliseum for game six. I know you like to play dogs, but I also know you really respect this Tampa Bay team. Which way are you leaning towards on Wednesday night?
7: I'm leaning towards another under again, uh, two completely defensive teams. Uh, could uh, the Lightning have shot a few goals out? Maybe. Uh, will New, New York realize that they can't play any worse? Yes. This has got two to one written all over it, and you're getting plus money on the under five. I really like that, and, and I would ask you to take a look at Tampa Bay for the Cup plus 130, that this team is still plus money for the cup is ridiculous. Buy it up, buy up Tampa Bay right now.
5: Lou, in terms of that game, and you just mentioned you like the under here for game six, at what point would there be a buy price for you on the New York Islanders, though? Because we know that bettors just by and large are creatures of habit, and they like to bet what they see last. You often talk about that in the NFL. You see bettors, they they kind of become prisoners of the moment, and obviously you see an 8 nothing game there with Tampa Bay. That's going to inflate the price on the Islanders, not saying Tampa Bay is not the right side, but is there any buy I point for you there on game six on the Islanders if you see a number it's like okay I've got to get involved I got to take a shot here
7: um is if if that um Line value on Tampa. They open plus one. Excuse me. The Islanders. They open plus one forty. If it gets to one forty-five or greater, I'll take opening. I'll take the value over the opening not line. No question about it. But what I believe will happen is must game is going to channel everyone to take the home team at Nassau Coliseum, and I expect to get a better price on Tampa if Tampa gets to under one fifty. That's a buy.
4: All right, very good. Yep, makes a lot of sense. Will be interesting come Wednesday, and Lou recommending the Tampa Bay Lightning at Plus Money to hoist the Cup. What do you think about Vegas? Are they going to get there, Lou? Or are we going to end up with Tampa Bay and Vegas in the final for the Stanley Cup?
7: You know, uh, I, I, that's a great question. Vegas has their hands full with Montreal, and I'm not willing to look past Montreal just yet, but I'm sure willing to bet Tampa.
4: All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again down the road. Enjoy the game tonight. We wrap up the program here on the Lombardi line, Wes and I, and then we send it off to Circa for the Nuts. Discover BetMGM, the king of sports books. Sign up today and win $100 if you place a $1 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer. Regardless of your bet's outcome, simply use the bonus code VESIN100 when you place your first bet. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. It's a new customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia only. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and D.C. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, 800-889-9789 and 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. Wes, what happens when BetMGM has like 48 states across the country? That promo is going to get long.
5: Yes, it is. So. You're- <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to do a lot of different numbers. I'm glad you're the host and I'm the <laughs> analyst here, and I don't have to read all those numbers, Brady.
4: And it uh, seems to increase about every few weeks, but MGM uh, growing across the United States of America. And the line is shrinking on the Phoenix Suns here for game two tonight in the Valley of the Sun. And, Wes, I want to wrap up the program here with a look at the player prop market. But before we do that, let's look at the line and how it's moved here in the game. Of course, it is game two, the Phoenix Suns up. One game to none in the series, the Western Conference Finals, with the Los Angeles Clippers. They won that first game 120-114. to 114. They covered as four-point favorites. It went over the total. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this game opened. Game two opened with a number of six. Off of that game one result, the Suns opened up as six point favorites with a total of 224. A big adjustment there in the total. Now we've seen it start to come down here at BetMGM. The total is at 222 and a half, and your total down to four and a half in favor. Or excuse me, in your side at four and a half in favor of the Suns.
5: Yeah, I'll start with the side here, and I think you've seen a decline in the number down to four and a half, really, for three reasons. Number one, Chris Paul officially confirmed out. There was still a little bit of doubt because you don't know how long he is going to be in the protocol, but now that that's official, market reacts to that, of course. Also, market reacts to the fact that Marcus Morris looks like he is going to go tonight. He was battling a knee injury. I know John Von Doble was on here on v this morning and talked about if Marcus Morris is ago, then I like that five and a half, which was available very early in the morning, no longer. So really in the market, basically hot five is the high watermark here. And also the third reason is because what we usually see is a pattern in the NBA playoffs, especially these wild and wacky ones where we haven't known what is going to happen, where we've seen actually some upsets in these series. It hasn't just been chalk where the favorite advances every time in these series. So people are going to play that zigzag theory. Of course. So that's why you've seen this number go down to four and a half. And I really didn't like the side. I know Will Hill, who we had on at the end of the last hour, does like Phoenix minus five and is on that accordingly. I like the under here in the spot because I am curious to see how the Clippers are going to approach that. Number one, I don't think that the shot making is going to live up to what we saw in game one, which was a hell of a game on Sunday afternoon, one 14 Phoenix final. Get the cover and the game does go over the total, but I think the shot making is probably going to decline. I'm interested to see if the Clippers maybe elect to slow this down a little bit because of the fact that they don't really have any bigs that are going to be able to stop DeAndre Ayton. So you've got to be judicious in terms of how you play this because you can't just not play your big guys. You can't just not play Zubach at all or play cousins at all, especially because cousins at least gave you some offensive punch last time out. Now, will he keep that consistently going forward? I don't know. Is the minutes really with the Clippers, they've been the toughest team, I think in the playoffs to figure out what they're going to do with these minutes. Cause uh substitutions have often been questionable. It's like, okay, where is Morris here late in the game or where is Batum or why are we playing cousins so much? You saw it really in that first game of the playoffs or that first series rather against Dallas when they were playing Zubach the first two games, it's like, we can't play him at all. And then he was basically on the side of a milk card and missing in action the rest of the series. So that's why the Clippers are always a little bit tough to figure out, and especially now with Kawhi out. So you got to really do some different things with their substitutions. Now, Terrence Mann has absolutely stepped up in terms of the minutes here. He, of course, gave them 39 in that game six clincher over the Utah Jazz. Numbers went down, obviously. They could only go down from what he had produced that previous game so uh- I'm on the under here, 223 and a half, but I think there's a couple of interesting props out there.
4: Yeah, let's look at that prop market, and we'll start on the Clippers' side. Paul George, who had 34 points in game one, his point, uh, point total is at 30 and a half, and again, they list points, rebounds, assists, and three-pointers made. They post a number you can elect to go under or over that number. Paul George at 30 and a half points. My initial reaction here, Wes, is to go over. Obviously, he had 34 in Game 1, but so much of the load falls on this guy's shoulders, and we know being down Game uh, one game to none, they're going to have to respond here. I would probably lean towards the over on Paul George's point total there. You mentioned man, and the big game he had against the Utah Jazz, of course, he regresses off of that. He knows what the situation is for the Los Angeles Clippers tonight. His number at 11 and a half, I would lean towards the over there. Those are my initial looks on the Los Angeles side. We'll get to Phoenix in a moment.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And where I would be looking on the Paul George side, actually, the points I think are about right, and we know with star players, you're always paying a tax. And that's something I think maybe we don't emphasize enough. And that's why some of these star players on these props, because the books know that that's what the average better is going to play. Sure. They're going to want to play the stars. They're going to want to play Giannis. They're going to want to play Paul George. They're going to want to play Trey young of the stars left in the playoffs. And they're not going to look down the board. If I looked at Paul George, I would be looking at over three pointers at three and a half, even though he's only cleared that total about 41% of the time. If you just count the regular season games, he played just simply on volume with Kawhi out of the lineup, he's at least going to get attempts. Now, whether he knocks them down is going to obviously decide whether you cast the prop or not. So if I were looking on that Clipper side, I would be looking at the George, perhaps on the over three point attempts Uh, in terms of the scoring with these other guys. And that's where I like to attack a prop market is kind of those third and fourth options. Maybe those bench guys, but It's different from game to game with the Clippers, really, in terms of who steps up. Paul George has been pretty darn consistent in terms of what he's produced at least over the last week, week and a half. But sometimes you get a big Terrence Mann game like you got in game six, uh, and then you don't get one in the next time out because sometimes it's Marcus Morris. Sometimes it's Reggie Jackson, and Reggie Jackson's really the most consistent of the number two options for the Clippers with Kawhi out. But you don't know who's going to give you those big games. I don't think people saw DeMarcus Cousins giving them good point value there in that first game. So I often think the Clippers, probably of the four teams left, they're the most tricky in terms of really trying to attack with props.
4: All right, let's look at the Phoenix side. And again, points, rebounds, assists, and three-pointers made. And we go to the top of the list here with Devin Booker. His point total, the same as Paul George at 30.5. And my initial reaction here, Wes, would be to go under but I think it's very difficult to do. I mean, he's off of a 40-point performance and I don't expect him to repeat that. That's why I would be looking at the under, but it's probably a stay away. But again, the lean would be Devin Booker to come off of that performance slightly, what he did in game one. Now, DeAndre Ayton, we've talked about this in the show. Do they really have a guy in the Los Angeles uh, locker room that can stop Ayton from getting his points down low? He's at 14 and a half for his point total. I would be looking over there for the big man for Phoenix.
5: And I'll get to Ayton in a minute because that's the prop and I kind of that at the top of the show. Those are the props I'm looking to attack here on the Phoenix side, but I want to bring up your point on Devin Booker where you talked about that point total that you would be leaning a little bit to the under. Maybe another way to attack that as well is to play over on the assists. Mm -hmm. If you think the scoring Mm -hmm. is going to decline for Devin Booker because we now know that Chris Paul is going to be out at least for tonight for game two. So that means Devin Booker is going to have a lot of heavy minutes, a big usage rate, all of that stuff that measures that. so Devin Booker is going to have the ball in his hands a little bit more where he's either looking to create for himself or create for some other guys. So maybe look at the assists here if, if, if that's what you want to do. I could definitely see that. Two games without Chris Paul this year. Devin Booker, 19 total assists and 9.5 per game uh, here in the playoffs. So that would be a way I would look at it. DeAndre Ayton. I'm looking to go over by and large points and rebounds combined. I think what I saw this morning was about 24 and a half slightly juiced to the over. Like you said and you in that lead in there Clippers have nobody that's going to match up with this guy. If they play Zubach, he gets eaten alive in the pick and roll. If they have Demarcus Cousins, obviously his mobility is an issue. And he can really only give you that production like he did on offense against the bench unit because he matched up quite favorably with Dario Saric when DeAndre Ayton had to go to the bench there in the second quarter. So that's where Cousins was able to produce. But when they put Ayton back in the game, Demarcus Cousins had no answer for him defensively. So by and large, the The Clippers are kind of stuck, like I said, damned if they do, damned if they don't, by the small ball unit. So you may, if you go small ball because that's your best way to compete offensively and maybe shut down the perimeter guys, that means you're going to have to give something up you either try to stop the big guy with the big guy that you don't have that can match up with them, or you go ahead and try to shut the guards and the wings down. So that means you got to let Deandre Ayton kind of get his, uh, he's gone over the combined points and rebounds so far, I think an eight of 11 playoff games so far. So I could see another mid double double here for Deandre eight. And I'd be looking to play over on his points and his rebounds. And especially if you can get it combined.
4: All right. If you're not going to uh, get involved in the side or the, the total in this game, but I made you uh, pick a winner. Are we headed back to Los Angeles tied at one apiece or does Phoenix take a two games to none lead tonight?
5: Small lean to the Los Angeles Clippers, but a very tepid one at that. And that's why I went with the total because I'm just not sure it may we end up seeing after game two. It's like okay, this gap between the big guys is really that much of a difference. The Clippers have absolutely no answer in this small ball lineup. They're just kind of stuck personnel-wise. This is why they really miss Serge Ibaka. If they had Serge Baca here, I think this would be a totally different series, but they do not. So Clippers really hurting down low. Vegas Golden Knights,
4: Montreal Canadiens on the ice, Phoenix Suns and Los Angeles Clippers on the hardwood for your Tuesday evening. Ought to be good. That's going to do it for the Lombardi line. Next, we throw it down to the Circa Resort and Casino for the Nuts with Mike Palm and Amal Shah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Keep it here with V the Sports Betting Network.